Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. means it is so. Amen? Amen. Hey, I am excited is not even the word. I am elated. I am I am overjoyed that we get to hear the word tonight from one of the great men of God of our generation. His name is Pastor Chris Durso. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to give him the best welcome you've ever given. He is here tonight with his wonderful, beautiful daughter, Chloe. Would you give it up for her, for Chloe? I promised her I wouldn't make her stand, but she's already standing. I was sneaky. It's so cool how he travels with his family. I've gotten to know him today, and I can tell you that what you see is what you get. And that's very refreshing in ministry. He's a man that ministers to his family first. And that speaks to me. That's how how my dad and my mom always ministered to me. But he has got a word for us tonight, and I am excited. He travels the world as a teaching pastor at so many incredible churches, churches that you know and love and follow. And we're just so honored that he would come here tonight all the way to Whitby, Ontario. Um, He's been to Canada 20 times, guys. 20 times, he told me. Chloe, you're practically Canadian. You didn't know that, but your dad's been here 20 times. So I could talk about him all night, but let's not do that. Let's get in the Word of God. Shall we do that? Would you give the biggest, warmest Canadian, I don't know what it is, beaver tail, poutine, double-double, Tim Hortons welcome to this man of God, my friend, Pastor Chris Derso. Come on, that's more than enough for me. But if you love Jesus, can you give him a shout? Come on, you can do a little bit better than that. Is there anybody grateful for the blood of Jesus? If it had not been the blood, we wouldn't be here right now. But because of his grace and his goodness, he says, come into my presence. Give me everything you got. I will treat you as your sins deserve. In fact, if you show up, I'll meet you right where you are at. Come on, one more time. Just give Jesus a shout of praise. If you don't mind, remain standing for a second. Remain standing for a second. I'm uh, blown away. Blown away by the presence of God. I am. I love Canada. I've been coming here for quite a while. And uh, I say this reverently, I say it respectfully. I've not felt this in Canada. I've not, right? It's kind of like an awkward clap. You know, he's like, so what happened all the other times? I don't. All I know is this, 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 this is special, man. This is. The Holy Spirit is here, his presence is here, and I want to steward it well. I want to steward this moment that I have well. And you you know what I love so much about worship is that worship allows us to put things in proper perspective, right? With with all due respect to Chris Durso or any other name, it's Jesus. And if it's not Jesus, then what's the point of any of this? However, yet what we learn, what we learn that in moments like this, especially in the, the top portion of a service, the best thing we could do is honor who God is using. I'm, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out. Because if you've ever been in a, a service where there's a guest speaker, you could almost guess what's about to happen, right? Like, ah, oh, here we go. They said some kind words about the guest speaker. Now the guest speaker is going to come up, and he's going to say some kind words, and it's going to be a whole honor swap, you know? And the truth is, that's, that's true, but it's a good thing, it's not a bad thing. Because there's always someone in the room that goes up, or are we going to make much about man, or are we going to make much about Jesus? And I would say, well, we're going to do both, but both are correct, and here's why. Theology teaches us. 
that when you make much of a man or a woman of God, what you're saying is, God, I agree with your choice. And when you come into agreement, when you come into agreement with the choices of God, he extracts his glory from that. Does that make sense? So can we just take a second and honor and thank God for the pastors of, of this movement, of what God is doing here? Come on, don't you love them right now? Can you make some noise for Pastor Ryan and Lindsay right now? You could do a little bit better than that. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I, I know we just met, but... And I'm not just saying this. I love you both. I, I think this is special. Thank you for inviting me into to this, this, this movement, this moment, a, a Tuesday night in Toronto. Thousands showed up just to worship Jesus. Come on, anyone else think that's pretty special? Anyone else grateful for Dr. Charles for allowing this to happen? Come on, can we make some noise for Dr. Charles? Thank you for giving us the good space and the good room and just your heart to allow us to come in and, and utilize this moment for this. And it's really, it's really just a testament to your belief in the next generation. So thank you so much and thank you so much. And, and since we're applauding, since we're applauding, come on one more time, can we just, just give a loud shout for Jesus? I'm, I'm going to belabor the honor point. I know, I know, but I can't help it. Here, here's the thing. I'm especially going to walk on this catwalk because I don't get to do that often. Um, I'm going to belabor the honor point because, well, because really honor has everything to do with God and you. It actually has nothing to do with me or anyone else. It has everything to do with God and you. It, it has to do with God because of everything I just said. Theology teaches us that we should make much of a man and woman of God so we come to agreement with his choices. Here's where honor helps you. The Bible says that when Jesus was in his own hometown, he could not perform any miracles because of the lack of faith and the lack of honor. That means somebody showed up to the house where Jesus was and did not get what they needed because of pride? I don't know about you. I do not have the luxury to fly home the same way that I came. If Jesus is in the room, I want whatever it is that he has for me. Come on, is there anybody in the room that would say, if there's healing in the room, I want it. If there's, if there's restoration in the room, I want it. If there's provision, if there's dreams, if there's health, if there's finances, Jesus, whatever it is you have for me, I want it. All I got to do is honor you. That's easy. Come on, all the people that say, I want everything it is that God has for me, give Jesus a shout. Give Jesus Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely a privilege and an honor. Absolutely a privilege and an honor. And can we just thank God? I know, I know. But I'm going to keep doing this. All the production team, the worship team, this is absolutely amazing. Congratulations, Clark. It's pretty awesome that you get to be a part of this. And thanks for singing. You, you have the voice of an angel. Uh, very anointed, very incredible. Come on, one more time. Just thank for them. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. Go on ahead and grab a seat. Uh, I know we're just getting to meet each other, but like they said, my name is Chris, and I get to do this full time. I've, I've actually been, been traveling. I've been traveling now since I was 23, and I was pastoring simultaneously as a youth pastor, I served as an executive pastor, served as a lead pastor. Uh, but in this season of my life, in this season of my life, I, I get to travel the world teaching and preaching the gospel. I, I serve as a teaching pastor for five churches around the country, which all that means is I fly in for them about four times a year, and I jump in on their sermon series, and I, I teach and I share whatever it is that they ask me to. And then in between that, I get to be a part of incredible movements and moments like this. And I say all that to say that this is who I am, and I'm excited about this word that God's put on my heart for you. You ready? I, I, I'm prefacing this moment, and as I'm talking, you could probably see me looking down and pausing. It's because I'm, I'm trying to hear what the Holy Spirit wants me to say in this moment, because the truth is, I, I am here on assignment. 
this isn't really a booking for me. This, this, is, this is assignment. As I, was, as I was praying about what it is that I should preach to you today and what it is I should communicate to you, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you, you have to talk to them because there are many of them that are bound by fear. You've walked in the room, and the truth is the devil's been lying to you. But that's not really that big of a surprise because that's what the devil does. He lies. The issue is you've been listening. You've been believing him. And as a result, you feel scared and you feel stuck. As I was on side stage, I was praying, asking the Holy Spirit to lead me. He said, there's people here that are scared about the future. There's a woman here scared about a pregnancy. There's someone else scared about a change in career. There's multiple, multiple people in the room that struggle with sleep. You, you find it hard to sleep at night. And, you find yourself just laid awake, just thinking about all the would have, should have, could have possibilities, rethinking mistakes that you made, and now thinking if you're paying the, the consequence for whatever that is, you, you just, you're dealing with sleep. You, you, you really wake up in the morning more tired than you went to bed. Just to make sure that we're on the same page, any of those people in the room, just wave your hand real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man over there struggling with it. Here's the good news. Tonight, the Holy Spirit's going to expose what those lies are, but not only what they are, but why the enemy's been lying to you. As a result, you're going to feel freedom. You're, you're going to feel freedom. You're, you're going to get your joy back. You're going to get your smile back. You're going to get your laughter back. There, there are many of you. There are many of you today. You're going to start dancing again. You used to dance, but you stopped dancing. There are others of you. You used to lead worship, but you stopped leading worship. There are others of you. This is your first time back in, in a while. In fact, there's about three of you. It's your first time back in a while, but and you were trying to figure out if you should come or not, and now you're here, and the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. Here, here's what's about to happen for you. There's about to be a shift in perspective. Those that I just spoke to about your sleeping, you're about to get your rest back. And here's the good news. Not only are you going to rest again, but you're going to have dreams. Not nightmares. You're going to have dreams. And God's going to speak to you about the future. And he's going to show you what it is that he has for you. And he's going to speak to you about the business. He's going to speak to you about what he's starting. He's going to speak to you about what he's asking you to do. Some of you some of you are going to sing like you've never sang before. That's, that's what's about, it's about to happen. You're going to get a new praise. Today, I, I want to point your attention to, to three verses that, to be honest, I, I've read several times but never really paid attention to. And I'm, I'm mindful that as I say that, that I'm here amongst a whole lot of seminary students and theologians. So forgive me for not being as smart. But I, I, I want to read to you three verses, John 12, verses 9 through 11. But before I read John 12, verses 9 through 11, to me, these verses that aren't really that famous... The verses that lead up to this moment are very famous. The verses that lead up to this moment is probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible, one of the most sung about moments in the Bible. It's, it's where Jesus is at a dinner party. He's hanging out with a family that he loves. You might have recognized this family by name, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We know that the nature of this dinner party is celebratory. It's celebratory because only days prior, Lazarus was not only sick, but he was dead. Jesus raises him from the dead. After raising him from the dead, they're now in, in, in a moment of celebration. This is the moment. This is the moment where, where Mary sits at the feet of Jesus and she starts to pour oil on the feet of Jesus. And she lets her hair down. I love the Bible says that she let her hair down. She let her hair down in the presence of God and she starts to use her hair to massage the oil into the feet of Jesus and to dry it. Lazarus is there who was once dead, now alive. Martha's there, overwhelmed that her prayer was answered. And then there are other people there. The disciples are there. Even Judas, 
Judas, who would later betray Jesus. In this moment, he had betrayed Jesus internally. He had not gone public with his position yet. This is where we get the famous moment where Judas, Judas speaks up and says, Mary, stop pouring your oil. So, Jesus, why are you letting her pour that oil on your feet? We could take the money from that oil and we could use it for the poor. We know that he could care less about the poor. He was just bothered that Mary was pouring oil on the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says very famously, let her be. Ooh, we could preach a whole sermon on that. Let her be. The poor will always be among you, but me, I, I won't be. And speaking to, speaking to the fact that in a few days he's going to die, then resurrect, and then ascend to heaven. All of that is happening inside of the house. Simultaneously, simultaneously, there's a lot of commotion outside of the house. These are the verses that got me. And the Holy Spirit told me I need to speak to you tonight. John 12 verse 9 says this. When the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also see Lazarus. They flocked to see him and also see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Have you ever been anywhere where a famous person was on the inside and a whole lot of people, a whole lot of people gathered on the outside in hopes to get a glimpse of whoever it was on the inside? I, I live in New York City, so we have a whole lot of famous people just walking around everywhere. But a couple of weeks ago, I was in the West Village after getting a haircut driving home. And as I'm driving home, I found myself in the middle of a sea of teenage and young adult females. I rolled down the window and I said, what happened? And someone just screamed out, Taylor Swift's inside. <laughs> so there were thousands of young ladies all there to see T-Swizzle. I imagine, I, I imagine there was a similar interest here in this moment. People, people showed up except, except not everybody showed up with the same intent. Because it goes on to say in verse 10, then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also see Lazarus, the man Jesus raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Which shows me that not everybody shows up to a celebration with the same intent. Not everybody shows up to a celebration to celebrate. Some are there to celebrate. Others are there trying to figure out if this Lazarus guy is really alive or, or are they just faking everyone out and there's just a pole behind his head, you know, pulling off a weekend at Bernie's. Some of you are too young. Then there are other people there that showed up annoyed and bothered knowing that he was alive, but were bothered by it because of what it would mean. But of course, because here's the truth, anytime, anytime God's people show up to praise, please believe the enemy is already plotting. Anytime the people of God show up to praise, the enemy will start to plot. I don't say that to scare you. I say that to make you aware. Anytime people show up in a nation like Canada, in a city like Toronto, to praise the name of Jesus on a Tuesday night, we should not just be so silly enough to believe that everything is all good and people are happy about it. There are people that are bothered that this very moment is happening right now. But that's okay, that's okay, because we know that it just comes with the territory. When God's people praise, the enemy plots. When the enemy plots, the people of God keep praising. We don't get overwhelmed by it because Psalm 2111 says, although they plot against you, their evil schemes will never succeed. Come on, can you put a shout on it? Although they plot against you, River, although they plot against you, their, their evil schemes will never succeed. I want to take the next few moments, I want to speak to you from this idea. They are no problem. They just talk like they are. 
If you're taking notes, I want you to go on ahead and write that down. They are no problem. They just talk like they are. Let's pray one more time. Holy Spirit, speak. Amen. Come on, that's a good prayer right there. Just short and sweet. <laughs> Today's scripture of focus is John 12, verses 9 through 11. And in John 12, verses 9 through 11, and verse 10 specifically is actually the last time we ever read the name Lazarus in the Bible. It's the last time his name is mentioned in the Bible. Although commentators and, and theologians would tell us that it seems to be that after Lazarus' resurrection, he returned to the kind of life that he had before his sickness and death as a mortal human being. Some would also argue with research that he actually went on to become a bishop. So either way, he lived on, which I find, which I find both splendid and surprising. I find it splendid because he went on to live his life even after dying, and he went on to be with his family and his loved one. I, I find it surprising, though, because when I read the text and when I read John 12, 10, it reads, then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. So the last time we hear of him, we hear of him, we hear that many are being saved because of him, and as a result of that, the, the, high, the, the leading priest wanted him dead. And yet, although they decided that he should die, he did not. Although they decided that he should die, he did not. Track with me. The enemy had a plan, yes. But the plan did not pan out. The enemy had a plan, but the plan was never fulfilled. Lazarus, Lazarus goes on to remain untouched by the enemy and ends up more blessed by God. But if you're reading this like I'm reading it, you're thinking to yourself, but Pastor Chris, the enemy made a decision. It's true, the enemy did make a decision, but so did God. God made a decision that Lazarus should live on. And right there is the news that so many of you need to receive and start focusing on. Because as of lately, you've been paying attention to all of the decisions that are working against you. You are paying attention to the decisions that are coming against the plans over your life. You are, playing, you are paying attention to the decisions that are, that are completely overwhelming you. And as a result of subscribing, to what it is that people are thinking about you, you are missing out on what God is saying about you. Because although the enemy might be plotting against you, here's what God is saying. I hear the Holy Spirit telling me to tell you, even though they want you to die, you're going to live on. Even though they want to shut you up, you're going to keep on worshiping. Even though he wants the business the end, guess what? The business is about to get better. I'm about to breathe on you. I'm about to breathe on your children. I'm about to breathe on your family. I'm about to breathe on your finances. And I know you're in the middle of a conundrum right now, but stick with me and watch what I do for you. Is there anybody in the room that would say, my God is good, my God is great, my God is greater than any threat of the enemy. And I'm gonna say on the onset of this moment that I am gonna pay attention to the goodness of God over the lies of the enemy. If there's anybody that would agree with it, take about 30 seconds and give him a shout. He says, it's about to get better. It's about to get better. I'm about to do it for you. I, I know you got some tension right now, but focus on me. I got you. Watch what I do for you. Watch what I do for your business. Watch what I do for your children and your children's children and your children's children, children. I know you're in the middle of it right now. I know you feel like you're losing, but I'm developing a legacy and there's some tension, but the tension is good because it proves no matter what man does against you, none of them can compete with God. Come on, if you agree with it, put a shout on it. He 
says, I love you and I'm for you. I love you and I'm, I'm for you. I love you and I'm for you. And here is the revelation that you have to catch today. The devious decisions of the enemy are no match for God. No matter what a decision sounds like, no matter what it looks like, here it is, no matter how loud it gets, nobody could stop what God plans to push forward. Anytime the enemy, well, let me say it this way, anytime a decision, no matter who from, anytime a decision is outside of the will of God, I promise you that decision will fall short of success. Somebody needs to write that down. Anytime a decision is outside of the will of God, I promise you that decision will fall short of success, especially when the desire of that decision is against the people of God. Psalm 21, 11, although they plot against you, although they plot against you, although they plot against you, their evil schemes will never succeed. They'll never succeed. I know I got some theologians in the room. Do, do you know what never translates to in Hebrew? Never. Although they plot against you, little Bible joke, although they plot against you, the, their evil schemes will never succeed. Here's another way of saying it. People of God, you're protected. We're all the born-again people real quick. You, you, you profess with your mouth. You confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. You are certain that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If those people real quick, oh, those people real quick, just give me a shout if you're saved. You're, you are born again. Just turn it up a little bit loud. You're saved. You, you're a born-again believer. You're saved. You're saved. You're so guess what? If you're saved, you're protected. Somebody shout, I'm protected. As I was preparing for the message, I looked up the name Lazarus and I actually learned that the name Lazarus, Lazarus actually means, Lazarus actually means God has helped. Isn't that a cool name? God has helped. I thought to myself, dang God, I wish my name meant that, you know. But then as I was reading the New Testament and the writings of Paul, I, I, I realized, I realized that if you're a born-again believer, your name means that and more. See, I, I don't know you and I don't know your name, but if you're born again, I could tell you what your name means. If you are a born-again believer, your name means this. God has helped. God is helping. God will continue to help. That's what your name means. God has helped. God is helping. God will continue to help. The reason why somebody needs to catch that is because you're trying to figure out if he helped me the last time, will he help me the next time? And he's saying, are you kidding me? I'm not some friend that you just call on. We're friends, but I'm better than any friend you've ever had. I'm not the type of person that my favor runs out. I'm not the type of person that my blessings run out. Regardless of where you find yourself, regardless of what you're going through, I promise you that I am God and I am for you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you the way that I've helped you before. I will help you again. And even when you're not aware of it, I'm currently helping you. You're not even aware of the email that you didn't get. You're not even aware of the news that didn't get to you. You're not even aware of the plots that didn't, that didn't come through. You're not even aware of the other people that applied for the same position, but none of that matters because what didn't happen is none of your business. What is your business is that I am God and I am for you. I need those people that are blessed by that to give them a shout. Here's a good idea in 2023. Let's stop paying attention to the wrong voices. Reading the comments. Reading all the posts about you. Man, who cares what they said? Is it true? So why are we paying attention? Let's pay attention to what is true. And here's what's true. What God has said about you. You got to get Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 4 in your spirit. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Does anyone know that to be true? 
And yet, that's the thing. We know it's true. We believe it's true. But then simultaneously, right, we, we function like there's a possibility that it's not. That's a fearful emotion. I know it's true, but is it true for me? How are you really going to provide? How is this going to work out? How are we going to grow this family? I had a plan. It's different. It's different. I remember, it's actually my, my daughter's age. And if I had it my way, I would acknowledge her and I would call her up here. But she said, Dad, I'll only travel with you if you don't embarrass me. <laughs> don't make me stand up. Don't draw any attention to me. So I promised I won't do that. <laughs> I was in junior high school. Well, it's called middle school now, but you know, I'll, I'll be 40 in August. I'm in junior high school. Uh, I went to junior high school in Flushing, Queens. And I remember one day leaving school. It was a Friday. I remember specifically it was a Friday. And Fridays were big deals for students like me. I was a 65 average student. I was a C-plus student. You know what I mean? We, we were just celebrating that we, we crossed the finish line. You know what I mean? We made it. <laughs> I don't care how I got here. I'm here. <laughs> so I loved Fridays because Fridays meant Fridays meant good television at night, TGIF. Anyone remember TGIF? No? Okay, I'm showing my age here. Saturday morning wrestling, WWF. <laughs> now E. But I remember this one Friday because I, I was actually walking home with a few of my friends. And as me and my friends were walking home, these, these other kids, older kids, came and surrounded us. And for whatever reason, as they surrounded us, they, they pointed me out. They say, hey, you, come here. Completely overwhelmed, I stepped forward. And he goes, we're going to beat you up. Another kid steps forward and goes, you know what? We're not going to beat you up, but we're going to take your money. Someone else stepped forward and goes, you know what? We're not going to take your money. It was the most confusing altercation I've ever been a part of. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, what are we going to do, guys? What do you want to? <laughs> and then he just goes, now, get out of here. <laughs> All right. Start walking away. True story. As we're walking away, one of them shouts out, but next week, we're going to beat you up. <laughs> it's funny, it's funny, because I walked away completely untouched. I, I walked away, wait, 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 let me build. I walked away, I, I walked away, no, I appreciate it, but I, 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 I <laughs> you gotta love like the, they're being kind. Um, I, I walked away completely untouched. Here, here's the thing, physically, they got nothing from me. But emotionally, they got me. They, they, they got me because although they didn't take anything from me, what they took was my hope. Because now, you know what started to happen to me? Now, every time I left school, every time I left school, I left completely overwhelmed. In fact, I went from I could not wait for the bell to ring to now I hope the bell does not ring because I do not want to walk out of that building, especially, especially on Fridays, what used to be my most favorite day of the week. Now I dreaded Fridays because now I associated Fridays with the bullies. And now every time I walked home, here's how I walked home. I, I walked home. I, I walked home. I walked home like this. I, I walked home looking over my shoulders. In fact, I didn't wait for my friends anymore. I didn't wait for my friends anymore. And we used to go to the pizzeria and we used to go play basketball at the park or we'd hang out and just do other things. I didn't do any of those things anymore. And here's the amazing part. I never saw them again. But I heard them every day. And as a result of their words reverberating through my mind, I couldn't do the things I used to love doing. And that's the thing. That's the thing about fear. Fear doesn't stop death. It stops life. Wow. Good. Fear will keep you 
bound and it will keep you stuck. I know who I'm talking to tonight. I'm talking to the one who isn't doing what they used to love doing. You used to love hanging out with your friends, but because of an incident that happened, you can't even hang out with them anymore. You used to love going out with the girls, getting your nails done. You can't even do that anymore because something happened. There was a moment. There was a there was a moment. There was a there was a moment. In fact, there's somebody here. You used to come. You hadn't come in a long time. Now you showed up, but you're not even sitting with the group of people that you used to sit with because of something that happened. And it wasn't even in the room, but it's a group associated with people in the room and as a result you're not doing the things that you used to be doing because of because of all the tension you're just good enough with getting by fear man that that fear I just don't want to do it anymore I don't want to hang out anymore I used to love concerts. I used to love games. I, I used to love seeing my friends. I, I used to love going for drives. I, I don't want to do it anymore. In fact, some of you are at the place now where you've given God an ultimatum. You don't show up. I'm giving up. Am I right? You don't show up in this marriage. I'm giving up. If you don't show up with this loan, I'm walking away from it. If you don't show up with these children, my God, God, I'm, I'm walking away. I'm, I'm walk I, I don't even want to do this anymore. Some of you, some of you, some of you, and I'm just telling you what I feel in my spirit. Some of you are even contemplating life. that if you're in a space like that right now, you're in between, you're in between all the emotions of everything that God did do at one point, all the high moments, all the victories that you had, but then something happened and that one thing that happened has now caused you to believe that, that everything that happened before that actually wasn't real, the, the good wasn't that good, the great wasn't that great. And now you're thinking, now you're thinking, is it even worth it? And you find yourself dealing with this tension and you're trying to figure out, God, I just wish you could take me. See, it's amazing that it takes one to know when I've been there. I, I, I've been there, and I remember reading. I remember reading in 1 Kings 19 about the prophet Elijah. I remember reading in, in 1 Kings 19 about the prophet Elijah, and it's amazing because God uses Elijah in a mighty way. God uses Elijah in a mighty way. He stands and represents our God, and he's, and he's standing opposed to King Ahab and Jezebel and the God that they represented, which was Baal. And as a result, all the prophets of Baal stand before this prophet Elijah, and, and Elijah's able able to win this battle and then he ends up killing them and then he goes up to the top of a mountain and not only is he in the middle of a desert but he's in the middle of a drought he's in the middle of a desert he's in the middle of a drought and he starts to pray and then all of a sudden he starts to see a cloud the size of a man's fist coming out of nowhere and he starts to prophesy the rain and now in the middle of a desert the rain shows up and the Bible says that the power of God fell upon Elijah and as a result of it he starts running he starts running back to the town that he came from and he's there with with the king and the, the chariots and he's able to outrun them it says the favor of God was on him but then the very next verse says Elijah wanted to die in fact he says I've had enough you ever been there Come on, let's be honest, please. Can, can we not do pretend church in 2023? I'm so over pretend church. I'm, I'm so over Christians behaving like they're superheroes. We're, we're not superheroes, man. We, we, we have a calling on our lives to preach and to teach, but it makes no one better than the next person. We got real feelings and we got real emotions and we're trying to work through all of it. Can we just be real for a second? He says, I've had enough. I've had enough. I've had enough. And as a result of it, Elijah, Elijah starts to live in fear. 
And in fact, Jezebel, Jezebel says so confidently, and here's the thing, she says so confidently, she says, by this time tomorrow, as surely as my God lives, you will be dead. But he just proved that her God wasn't real. He literally just disproved her God. But yet it was the confidence in what she was speaking of that made him believe that she had an authority that she did not have. But the thing is, she had no real authority. She was no problem. She just spoke like she was. And there are so many of you, you are listening to lies of people that are speaking like they have an authority that they do not have. They are swearing on gods that don't even exist. They are clinging on to promises that are completely empty. And if you're not paying attention to the schedule, you'll realize that the time on which they promised something would end or something would stop has already surpassed that, and yet their words are still echoing in your head. Because the next day came, that very time, the next day, and guess who was still alive? She was no problem. She spoke like she and yet the issue, the issue is, as a man thinketh, so he is. As a man thinketh, so he is. The issue here is whatever you lend your ear to will have enough to get a hold of your heart. Because what's amazing is although Elisha had the hand of God on his life, the enemy had a grip on her, his heart. Both could be true. Both could be true. Both could be true. And we allow these words of the enemy to to reverberate in our mind. This is why 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 is so important. It says, be sober and be vigilant. Be sober and be vigilant. Be sober and be vigilant. I just want to point out real quick that the writer is not necessarily speaking about drunkardness. It's, it's fair to say, listen, don't get drunk, okay? That's a great story. That's a great verse. That's a great truth. Do not get drunk. Be, be, be sober. Don't, don't get intoxicated. I believe that with all my heart. But for the fairness of the scripture, I just want to point out what he's talking about. When he says be sober, here's what he's talking about. Stop getting so intoxicated on the lies of the enemy. Be sober. Stop taking every lie that the enemy serves up to you because he's serving you lie after lie after lie. And here's where he's serving you. He's serving it through, through social media. He's serving it through a text message from a friend. He's serving it to you in your own insecurities. And as a result of it, you're taking these shots. You're taking these shots and you're walking around like a believer, but you're drunk in fear. And he says, be sober and be vigilant. Be sober and be vigilant. You ever wonder why some of you can't walk this, this walk straight? Because you're trying to walk for Jesus, but you got all these lies on the inside of you and all these, all these I'm not forgiven, even though you know whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And, and you hear this, I'm, I'm never going to be seen. I'm, I'm never going to be used by God. But God is saying, son, daughter, my hand is on you and I am for you. And even though you have all this truth, you keep taking taking shots and you're intoxicating yourself with fear. So he says, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Please leave that up there for me. Let's go back there. The devil walks about like, everybody shout like, like a roaring lion. So he's not an actual lion, he's just like a roaring lion. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about someone playing dress up. So if he's not a lion and he's roaring like one, now he's playing dress up and he's making noises that aren't even natural to who he is. My goodness, and that's what got us all scared. We're scared because someone is playing pretend. Someone is walking around in costume going, I'm going to get you. That's what your toddler does to you. Your toddler walks around the kitchen in costume going, I'm going to get you. And you go, oh, no, don't get 
at me? You're telling me that's what the enemy's doing? And he has everybody shook. He has everyone scared. And all he's doing are, is making noises that aren't even natural to him, which means he has to put on another voice, which means he has to make sounds that don't actually come from him. But of course that's what he does. He's a liar. So he's playing dress up and he's making you believe he's more powerful than he is. But the issue is he's actually no threat because the fact is death was robbed on the cross. Oh, death, where is your sting? Hell is not his palace. Hell is his punishment. He's not this warlock that is able to take you out. He's this, he's this figurine playing pretense telling you the family won't make it. You'll never get pregnant. You won't have the finances. You won't buy the home. You'll never do what you said you were going to do. And here you are believing it like it's true. You're, you're listening to a like a lion. A like a lion making pretend noises. If his native tongue is a lie, you could bank off then everything he says. The opposite is true. So when he says, you're not going to have the baby, you go, man, I'm about to enjoy my pregnancy. When he says, you're not going to make it out, you go, oh my goodness, my story's about to get better. I'm about to make it out. When he says, I'm never going to breathe on it, you go, wind of God, come and do what you do. Have your way in this place. When he says, revival will not come to Toronto or Canada, you say, oh God, there's an open heaven. The rain's about to pour. The rain's about to come and lives are about to be saved and was once was considered a godless nation will be a nation an arrow used for the glory of god if there's anybody in this room that will not subscribe to the lies of the enemy put a shout on it seeking who he may devour and then look resist him Resist him? No rosary beads? No holy water? No, no special rocks from the Jordan? You know, three payments of 1995. None of that? All I got to do is say, no. I don't even know why I did that, by the way. All I got to do is say, no. That's it. Go on social media, you gotta see what everyone's talking about. If you don't go out, you're gonna regret it. You better slide in his DM, girl. You don't know how long you're gonna be single for. Come on, that one hit a nerve. You better put your hands together. <laughs> All you got to do is just hit him with a no, a, a, no, a no. All I have to do in order to overcome the enemy is no. go on ahead, have a little bit more to drink. No. Drop out of school. No. Don't show up to that church anymore. No. Go on ahead and hang out with those group of people, even though you know they're messy. No. <laughs> You know why knows the best answer? Because if you engage in conversation, you might believe that what they're saying is true. This is why the Bible says do not give the enemy a foothold. Anytime you engage in conversation with someone, the more they talk to you, there's a possibility that they can get an angle. They can grab a foothold. So you might walk out of the river fully confident that God is going to do what he says, but then all of a sudden you tap into a conversation that you shouldn't be having, and you think that you have the advantage, but the advantage is simply saying nothing at all. It's, it's simply walking away because it's not worth the foothold. I heard this quote thought it was pretty powerful. I thought I'd share it with you. Never wrestle with a pig in mud. You'll get dirty, but only the pig will enjoy it. You're both going to get dirty, but only one will like it. And every time you enter into that conversation with the enemy and all those conversations that the enemy uses against you, I promise you, you hate it, but he loves it. But here's the why. Here's the why. Here's the why. Why are you worth all that trouble?
That's the real faith. Why are you worth all that trouble? The Bible says, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and that you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me declares the Lord. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall prosper. We probably all heard it said at one point that, that even though the West weapons form, they won't work. He didn't say that they wouldn't be, be fashioned. They are just saying that they wouldn't be able to succeed. We, we've heard that before. But I had this thought the other day. The only reason why the enemy is creating weapons is because you are one. The only reason why he's sending a threat is because you are a threat. You have to understand that your success in God is bad business for the enemy. So the fact is you are not who you used to be. You once were lost, you once were broken, you were addicted, but here you are all those years later when everybody said you wouldn't make it, when they said you wouldn't succeed, and you got a testimony, you're able to stand up, the doctor said you would die, they said you had no future, and here you are with all this opportunity in front of you you, you got to understand that your life is like a bad Yelp review for Satan. The fact is, you have succeeded. Your, your victory in God is bad business for the enemy. And the thing that he wants to do is control your mind and get, uh, have you stuck. But the best thing you could do is ignore it. And as opposed to arguing with him, just keep building your testimony. There's that story in Acts where, where Paul and Silas are walking. You, you've read this one? Paul and Silas are walking. Can you throw it up on the screens for me? Book of Acts, book of Acts. Acts 16, verse 19. Paul and Silas are walking, and this, this young girl, fortune-telling young girl, she has a demonic spirit on the inside of her. She, she's bothering them, and Paul turns around, and he, he rebukes the spirit. Now think about it. This should have been a victory. This should have been a celebration. Someone who was once demon-possessed is now not possessed anymore. That sounds like a celebration. If we were in church, if we were in non-denominational church, low-key Pentecostal, if we were in Pentecostal church, we'd be celebrating, be taking laps. They were possessed. Now they're not. Hallelujah. God is good all the time. Pentecostals, I love it. But in this moment, in this moment, because context is everything, in this moment, the, the people that were making money off of the young girl are not celebrating, they're frustrated. It was her victory, but for them, it was their deficit. You know why? The Bible goes on to say that this young girl made them money. This young girl made the money. So the fact is that a spirit was cast out of her, now hurt their pockets. And anytime you hurt the enemy's pockets, it's a threat. It's a threat. It's a threat. You know why? He can't make money. He can't make success off of you prospering in God. But what he wants to do is monetize your madness. He wants to monetize your madness. So the more footholds you give him, the more mess you give him, the more gossip you give him, the more dirt you give him, the more addiction you give him, the more mistakes you give him, he could live with that all day. But when you stand and you say, no, 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 I have decided for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I'm not living like I used used to live. I'm not playing like I used to play. My purity matters to me. I'm saving it for marriage. My, my purity isn't just my virginity, but my eyes matter. I'm not looking at that anymore. I'm not listening to that anymore. I'm not talking like that anymore because I'm born again. My life has been set free. Any free people in the room? Because I'm free. Where are all the free people at? I am free. I am free. I, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Free people, give them a shout. For God inhabits the praises of his people. While God is inhabiting his praises, the enemy is getting frustrated. It's the duality. It's the duality of the goodness of God. It's the duality of the praises of God. Every time, every time you're praising and God is being blessed, the enemy is being bothered. God, understand that. Worship team, could please come up. This is, this is the tension. This is, 
This is the tension. This is the tension. And you know that what the what the enemy said about Paul and Silas? How he got them, how they got them thrown into jail? They went to the city officials. Here's what they said. They're causing confusion. I want to be careful how I say this. But because what you're doing is so unprecedented for this nation. They're going to try to shut this down. They're going to want to stop it. But you don't have to worry about it. But here's the lies they're going to say. It's causing confusion. It's, it's going against the grain. It's going against what it is that we believe and what we stand for. We're, we're liberal. We don't want to force anything on everyone. And we're like, we're not forcing anything on anyone. People are coming and they're encountering the presence of God. They're, they're getting saved. They're getting touched. They're getting delivered. And people, they're going to say, well, it's, going to, it's causing confusion. Why? Because anytime there's a revival, the enemy cannot stand it. Which is why. Jesus doesn't become the only target. Now it's Lazarus too. Many were getting saved because of Lazarus's resurrection. They didn't care about Lazarus before, but now because he went from dead to alive, they now want him dead? He was just dead, leave him alone. <laughs> but now it's the evidence it's the evidence that they want to get rid of. Like any law student or any lawyer that is trying to make a case or prove a case, we can't, we can't change the fact of what happened, but if we, could, if we could hide what has happened from anyone else seeing it, then, then, maybe we could still make our case. I want to warn you, because of everything that God's doing in your life and will continue to do in your life, because you are an arrow for God, you are a bullseye at the end. Because you are an arrow for God, you are a bullseye for the enemy. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you because Colossians 2.13 is true for you. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave you all your sins. You are not dead, although you should be. You are a miracle, but your miracle is the evidence of the goodness of God. Just like Jesus says in Matthew 10.22, they will hate you because of me. They hate you because you are evidence, because you are evidence, because you are evidence. But the Holy Spirit told me to declare to you today to not fear. He is saying there is life on the inside of you. Your best days are in front of you. Your personal revival is going to be a global revelation. Your personal revival is going to be a global revelation. God does miracles. God raises dead things. God restores life in those that they thought they lost it. And what he is saying to you now as you step out of your grave, as you step out of brokenness, as you step out of addiction, as you step out of fear, to stay close to him. Because I promise you, when you stay close to God, it shifts everything. You know that we don't know if Lazarus ever found out what the leading priest was planning to do. But does it really matter? Because why would he pay attention to the lead priest if he had the attention of the high priest? track with me. He's in the house where the presence of God is. Outside of the house is an invitation to, to engage in a conversation, to engage in a frustrating argument. It's all of the opportunity is there, but what I've learned in reading it, even though it's the last time we hear about Lazarus, I'm sure that had he left to go argue with the people, we would have found a very different story. But because he does not leave the presence of God, and what he says is, I don't care what's happening on the outside. Anything that's happening on the outside is an invitation outside of the presence of God. So I've made up my mind. I am staying in the presence of God. I am not leaving him. I am not walking away from him. There's nothing on the outside that will benefit me or do for me because the last time I engaged with that, I became struck by fear. The last time I engaged in that, I couldn't get out of the bed. But, but when I'm here, I feel whole. When I'm here, I feel good. I ain't leaving the presence of God. Here's another
another way of saying it. You ain't going to catch me outside. How about that? I'm staying right here in the presence of God. I am at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to stay right here while my sister worships him, while she takes out her oil and pours it on her feet as she lets her hair down in the presence of God. I'm going to join in with her. I'm going to let my hair down in the presence of God. I'm going to take all this oil. I'm going to take all this worship. I'm going to pour it on his feet. I'm going to praise his name because there is nothing better than being right here. And anything outside of here is just just a distraction. Is there anybody in the room that would say, I got my mind made up. I'm not leaving the presence of God. I've done it before and it was a mistake. I'm staying with Jesus now. All those people, if you agree and you're making that commitment, stand on your feet, open your mouths and give Jesus your best shout. Go! Stay standing, stay standing. I'm going to pray us out, and you're going to jump into worship. Stay standing. For the one that's struggling, listen. For the one that thinks they have to prove something to somebody, every time you do that, you hurt yourself and you rob yourself. You do not have to convince anyone of anything. If God be for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. When people, when people have bad things to say about the river, you just say bless them. You say bless them. You say bless them. When people say bad things to you about what you're doing for God, you don't have to defend it. You just say God bless you. You just say God bless you. You know what's the best way to beat a negative narrative? A testimony. A testimony beats a narrative every time. If you stay in the presence of Jesus, their narrative won't stick. You know why? Lies don't last. I've been lied about. Lies don't last. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep worshiping Jesus. I'm staying in the presence of Jesus. How do I overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Here's my testimony. I once was blind, but now I see. I was once in bondage, but now I'm free. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep going because I know if God be for me, it does not matter who's against me. Lift up your hands. Receive this. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Luke 10, verse 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Okay, I got to stop right there. Keep your hands up. Can you go back? Isaiah 10, 19. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not, be not. Yep. Nope. Luke 10, 19. Thank you. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions. How do serpents get their venom in you? With their mouth. Here's another way of saying it. With their front. How do scorpions get their venom in you? With their back. Some of you are receiving the venom of the bites from a mouth. It might be gossip. It might be slander. It might be someone that you're connected to. They're defaming you. They're talking bad about you. They're speaking negatively. They have no control over their tongue. They speak to you meanly. It's venom. It's venom. Then there are others of you. Others of you, you can't get over the venom from the scorpion. Someone got their venom in you by putting their back to you. You're dealing with abandonment. You're dealing with, I don't know why they walked away. I don't know why I haven't heard back from them. I don't, I don't know. I thought we were going well. I thought the relationship was going good. How come they haven't responded to the text message? You keep going to the back to the text message. Whoever that person is, just wave at me real quick so I know I'm telling the truth. Yep, there you are. You, you keep going back to the text message. You keep going back to the text message. The Holy Spirit's saying, stop going back to the text message because every time you go back to it, it is messing with your mind. And what you think when you're getting clarity, you're just getting more venom on the inside of you. It's, it's, the, it's the scorpion. It's the, how the scorpion 
scorpion gets you, it's the abandonment. As the abandonment gets on the inside of you, and what the Holy Spirit is saying, every time you get low to the ground to talk to the scorpion and to talk to the snake, you are reducing the authority that I've given you. Get off of your belly and get on your feet. What I am saying to you is I've given you the authority to trample over serpents and trample over scorpions. Stop having conversations with them. Trample over them. Because when you get on your belly, that venom will get on the inside of you. But if you realize what's already on this inside of you, the same power that conquered the grave, it lives in you. You realize you don't have to reduce yourself to a conversation. Fear not, for God is with you. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power and love and sound mind. Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Philippians chapter 4 4 verse 13, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I could do all things. I don't have to take the phone call. I could do all things. I don't have to drink the bottle. I could do all things. I don't need to smoke in order to find rest. I could do all things. I don't have to go on that website. I could do all things. I could walk away from the relationship. I could do all things. I could do all things. I could do all things. He's saying, son, daughter, Stop being scared. Stop allowing fear to get the best of you because the fear is lying to you. It has no authority over you. The only authority there is is found in the mouth of God, the Word of God. And in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, is God, and His name is Jesus. When you say that word, demons have to flee. When you say that word, blind eyes are open. When you say that word, sick people are healed. When you profess that word, heaven becomes your destination and hell becomes lost in the rearview mirror. If there's anyone that's saying, I am focusing on the word of Jesus, lift up your hands, open up your mouths, and give him your best shout. Go! Every hand lifted up, Holy Spirit fall right now on every person. And I am asking you to fill this room. Fill this room with authority. Fill this room with the understanding. Fill this room with the strength right now. I pray that you would evict every evil thought, evict every spirit, evict every lie that would flood the minds of the believers in the room. Allow them to understand that they are protected by you. That if they remain in your presence, they're in the safest place they could possibly be. Holy Spirit, would you fall on them and would you receive our worship right now forgive us forever exiting your presence to go speak to people that do not matter to focus on enemies that hold no authority but we've made up our mind in this place and we say from this moment forward we are committed to you church if you agree with that one more time give them a shout 